Oh, please, turn, <coughs> please turn with me this morning to Deuteronomy chapter 34. And Moses went up from the plains of Moab unto the mountain of Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, that is over against Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead unto Dan. My friends, we come this morning uh, to our very final, uh, this final chapter of Deuteronomy and our final study uh, on this uh, book of Deuteronomy. And uh, the book closes uh, with this account of Moses' last day, Moses' 120th year. In fact, it is really his 120th birthday that he, uh, the Lord takes him home. If you look in chapter 31, uh, you will see this. Chapter 31, all the way back there, he said, verse 2, he said to Israel, I am 120 years old this day. And uh, then, uh, so it's his 120th birthday that the Lord takes him. And here we see how the Lord uh, calls him. Uh, here is an account of his last day in the world and uh, the day of his death and also of his burial. In chapter 32 and verse 48, after that song, that he had taught uh, the children of Israel. Verse 48, the Lord spake unto Moses that selfsame day, saying, Get thee up into this mountain, Abarim, unto Mount Nebo, which is in the land of Moab, that is over against Jericho. And behold, the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel for a possession, and die in the mount whither thou goest up. And be gathered unto thy people, as Aaron thy brother died in Mount Hor, and was gathered unto his people, because ye trespassed against me among the children of Israel at the waters of Meribah Kadesh, in the wilderness of Zin, because ye sanctified me not in the midst of Israel. Yet thou shalt see the land before thee, but thou shalt not go thither unto the land which I give the children of Israel. So this is, that's what the Lord told Moses on his birthday. Uh, he's going to die. Uh, get up. Uh, to Mount Nebo and uh, die uh, there. And Moses obeys uh, the Lord. So we'll be looking at this. Now it's obvious, friends, that Moses couldn't have written this last chapter. Somebody else wrote it for him. Somebody else was inspired and was shown these things uh, to write. Uh, many commentators think it's uh, Joshua, his successor. Uh, but we cannot uh, be for sure. But uh, here it is. Uh, this final chapter. The work of the servant of God is done. He's been faithful to the Lord to the very end. All along the way, he has proved faithful. In the midst of many provocations, he has proved faithful. In the midst of many difficulties, he has proved faithful to his commission that he got 40 long years ago. Apart from one fault, Apart from one time when he let the Lord down, one time when he didn't sanctify the Lord, that time when the Lord said, speak to the rock when and the waters will come gushing out. And he didn't speak. He struck the rock, struck it twice. What was the sin of Moses at that time? Well, it's a little bit difficult to, to pinpoint it, but it seems to be like a conglomeration of, of many sins, a combination, not just of one, 
Uh, it's unbelief is there, it's disobedience is there, his anger there, his impetuosity there in that act of his. But all these sort of combined meant that he didn't sanctify the Lord in the eyes of the people of Israel. He was to speak to their rock, but he spoke instead to the people. Shall we fetch water for you from the rock? Well, for that one sin, because it was a public sin, he was excluded uh, from the land of Canaan. He couldn't go in. He desired to go in. He longed to go in. But the Lord said to him three or four times, you shall not go in. Well, what a man still hears, apart from that one uh, failing, what challenges he faced all along the way in his ministry. He never turned back. He never gave up. To get the, he had trouble right at the very beginning just to get the children of Israel on board and to recognize that he had come from God. And then you remember how he had to go repeatedly before Pharaoh, that great powerful king of the time, and into his courts, there with all his courtiers and all the other servants and the, the magicians who uh, were against Moses. And he had to stand there with Aaron by his side and declare and say to that king, let my people go. That's what God is saying to you. Let those uh, servants go. Let those slaves uh, go. What a burden was placed on him when he had to lead the people out of Israel, out of Egypt, and into the desert. And all he had to hold on to was that promise from God that he was going to lead them into the promised land. That's all he had. And here he had, following him, two and a half million people he was responsible for. He felt it. That was a great burden for him to bear. And yet, he was faithful. He didn't give up. He didn't turn back. He didn't say, oh Lord, this is too much for me. He uh, continued onward. Oh, great meekness. Oh, great meekness. It's said uh, of him that he was the meekest man upon the face of the earth at that time. Meekness. In the face of constant complaining, provocations. Oh, <laughs> we so easily get, we get provoked by little things, isn't it? We get upset by what little things people do for us on the road or in the home or in the workplace. And we cannot hold ourselves. And we have to react. We have to bite back. But Moses, when he was personally criticized, he held me. And the Lord's name was criticized. That was a different story. Then he stood up. Then he said something. But when it was something against him, well, he was managed to take it. Constant complaining of the people. Constant murmuring. Constant grumbling. Oh, we want to go back to Egypt. It's better for us in Egypt. After all that the Lord had done for them, but still he led them faithfully. Faithfully prayed for them and interceded from them. They didn't deserve his prayers. There's so many of them. But he continued to pray and to intercede. He gave them God's law. He gave them God's promises. He gave them also God's warnings. Well, now his time is up. Now his days of service are over. And here, after blessing the people, the, the tribes rather, in chapter 33, and turning the leadership over to his successor, uh, Joshua, uh, he takes leave of all and ascends up as the Lord had bidden him, he goes up uh, to the plains of Moab, uh, he, from the plains of Moab, up the mountain of Nebo to the top 
of Pisgah. He's ready to die. He's prepared to die. What a, you can see it. It's a very calm Moses who ascends that mount. There seems to be no anxiety in him. He's ready to die. He's prepared to die. There's a calmness upon his spirit. God has called him up. He knows what's going to happen, but still uh, he goes. Well, friends, faithfulness. Faithfulness. What a characteristic for us to have as believers. What a, ca a characteristic, a, a, a fruit for us to cultivate in our lives. What is a wonderful thing if we can be said for at the end of our lives, he was a faithful brother, she was a faithful sister. Oh, this is something that we want to develop. Faithfulness in serving the Lord. Faithfulness in honoring Him. How do we do it, friends? How can, how can I cultivate uh, faithfulness? Well, do it day by day. Do something that is good to do. Make a habit of it. Do it day by day. You know, some of these uh, language teaching apps that you get, that you can get on, the, on your phone these days, one of the ways they hook you in into keeping, keeping using their, their, their app is by, by cre uh, creating what, a streak. So you study on one day, day one, and then they'll send you a notification uh, at the same time, usually on day two. Say, hey, you, you need to keep up your streak. And uh, day by day, you are, you are building up your streak. And people are afraid to break that streak. So they keep on doing that. They want to build up a, a large number. Some go keep it up for over a thousand days. They're learning a particular language. Every single day they do something. And that's the same for us. How do you build up faithfulness, friends? Keep up a streak. Do it something, the same thing, again and again. Oh, I must come. Uh, I, how do I be faithful to the Lord's house? I come every Sunday. I don't want to break that streak. 52 Sundays in the year, I'll be there every Sunday. Oh, I don't need any notifications, I hope, to tell me to come. I will come. Faithful in doing something for the Lord. Faithful in witnessing, making habits of these things. And the more we do it, uh, the easier, in a sense, it also becomes. But it's a wonderful trait for us to develop. Well, Moses, as we said, is now 120 years old. But look at him. <laughs> his, uh, in verse 7, it, it tells us uh, that when he died, his eye was not dim nor his natural force abated. Physically, he's still as strong as ever. He's uh, still got the, the freshness of life is still within him. He still has strength, really, to go on with the work. And, and he's intimated that already in prayer to the Lord, Lord, I'm ready to take the people over. Lord, I'm ready to do it. He had the ability to do it. He was vigorous in his health. He's vigorous in his, his mind. He could still serve the Lord, and he, had, he was prepared to do it. He still had an appetite after 40 years for doing the work. He wasn't, oh, Lord, take me home. I'm ready to go. He was ready to continue serving the Lord with this people, but it was not to be. It was not uh, 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 the Lord's will for him. His days of service uh, are over. Another must continue the work. Moses' days of labor and toil and trouble are over, but now he must enter into his rest. The time has come for that. Well, Moses ascends uh, to the top of Mount Nebo. Uh, the summit of it is uh, Pisgah, 
And uh, from there, it's, we're told it's over against Jericho, which means it's opposite uh, Jericho, on the east side of the River Jordan. And it's uh, quite a height. Some people say uh, one of the peaks that you find there is 2,500 feet, or it could have been yet another peak, which is uh, 3,500 feet. Well, either one is quite high. If you want an idea of how high that is, well, you could think of Snowdon in Wales, which is uh, two and a half thousand feet high. So it was a, a pretty high place. And from there, uh, Moses had a good vantage point, and he could uh, see all the different parts of that promised land which God was giving to the children of Israel. Uh, the Lord showed him, verse 1, all the land of Gilead unto Dan, and all Naphtali, and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, and all the land of Judah unto the utmost sea, and the south, and the plain of the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees, unto uh, Zohar. The Lord showed him these things. And at the end of verse 4, we can see, I have caused thee to see it with thine eyes, but thou shalt not go over. Friends, what Moses saw was not just some, some natural looking with his eyes. He wouldn't have been able to see so far because from, from where he was to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, that would have been about 70, 80 miles, and he wouldn't have been able to see so far, or if it was a clear day, which no doubt it was, but it would still have been something of a blur to him to see so far. He could pick up images, but they would be blurred. But this is a miraculous showing, miraculous seeing, something that the Lord is showing to him. Though his eyesight, though he still had 20-20 vision, we could say, yet still he wouldn't have been able to see in such a way as to appreciate what he saw. And this is, uh, this is what uh, the Lord has done for him. The Lord has uh, uh, given him this special eyesight, as it were, this miracle seeing, so that when he looks at these different places, it's as if he is there on the spot and he can appreciate these things that are before, his, before him. He's, it's as if he is very present in those places and it's a very delightful sight that for him that he can see. It's a seeing that enables him to appreciate the, 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 the things. And so he looks be, below him, he sees the river Jordan flowing from the north uh, to, the, to the south. He looks a bit further up uh, the north, he can see the, the, the lake of Galilee and uh, the Sea of Galilee. He looks westward uh, across the river. There's Jericho with his palm trees uh, blowing uh, with the breeze. And then he looks beyond that to the hills and uh, the place where Jerusalem is going to be built. He can see all these things. Further to the west, he can see the blue of the Mediterranean Sea. And then perhaps he comes further south. He can see Bethlehem where the Savior will be born. Oh, friends, he's shown all these things. And verse 4 tells us, the Lord was with him there. And the Lord said unto him, this is the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, saying, I will give it unto thy seed. It's as if the Lord is standing there. We don't know really how the Lord spoke these things. Did the Lord appear to him in a, a very present way and, and say, look here, look there. This is I wonder, I'm just speculating, 
But did the Lord give him some inside information about what was going to happen in some of these places? Maybe that's taking it a little bit uh, too far. But certainly the Lord was there with him. He was alone on the mount. Humans, there were no other human friends with him. But the Lord was there. And the Lord reminds him, say, look, Moses, this is beautiful land is what I promised to give to the children of Israel. This is the promise I made to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And see now, they're on the verge of entering in and of possessing the land that I promised all those years ago. Well, that must have thrilled Moses' heart as well. That must have thrilled him to bits. God has kept his promise. And perhaps it flashed before his mind in that time when the Lord said these things. All the struggles of the children of Israel, all the difficulties that they went through. But yet now here, God has been faithful. Moses, we said, has been faithful. But God has been faithful to his promise. And God has kept uh, his word. And here they are ready uh, to enter uh, into this promised land. Well, friends, we, we may think as this, we look at this scene, it sounds a little bit cruel. This sounds a little bit cruel. Why is the Lord giving Moses such a tantalizing view of the promised land? And, and, and yet saying to him, you can't enter in because of your sin before. Why is, it, why is it doing that? Well, friends, the Lord is not tantalizing Moses. This is, in fact, a mitigating, we could say, of his punishment. Here is in giving him this sight, this precious sight, this miraculous sight of this land. The Lord is softening his pain, easing the disappointment. He was greatly disappointed that he couldn't go in. And here he is able to see it with his eyes. The consequences of his sin still stands. Thou shalt not go over. But it is somewhat blunted by the Lord giving him a sight of the promised land. How kind the Lord is to his servant to do, do this, to do this for him. How very kind. And how very kind he is to us, friends. The Lord is very kind to us who have trusted in him because just as Moses' eyes were opened uh, miraculously, so also we could say our eyes have been opened to see heaven. Canaan is a kind of heaven. And our, the Lord, we would never saw it before. We never saw it in our unconverted days. The only things we had eyes for in our unconverted days were this world. This world enamored us. This world and its material things are what we set our eyes and our hearts on. This is where we found our, our, our joys. We never thought about heaven. But when we were converted, when we come to Christ, the Lord shows us, this is what I've prepared for you. This is some of the things I have prepared uh, for you. This is uh, what he shows to us. I have prepared a better world for you than this fallen world. A pure world. A place where there is uh, no sin. A place where there is no, no more death. A place where there is neither sorrow nor crying. Where neither shall there be any more pain. All those things. Are, is it possible? Is it possible that there is such a world? We're so used to this fallen world with all its pain and trouble. A pure heavenly world. 
Yes, it is, and we believe it. The Lord has showed it unto us, and we are sure of it. Behold, he says, I make all things new. Oh, yes, it's true. We don't see it as clearly and as distinctly, probably as Moses saw the promised land. We see it by faith. We see it in the Word of God. It's shown to us, not in all its glory, but it's shown to us in different parts. We see uh, through a glass darkly, but it's enough. It's enough to stimulate the Christian's heart. It's enough to give him cheer and joy. This is his hope. This is his anticipation. One day I shall leave this world and I shall be in heaven and I shall be with Christ forever and I shall see him as he is. I shall behold my Savior as he is and be with him in that place forever. This is the thrill of our hearts, isn't it, friends? Doesn't it thrill you? It should. If you're a believer, if you love the Lord, if you've seen these things, if you haven't seen these things, then uh, one would then possibly you're not there, friends. Here you're not there. Well, our the, the believer knows one day I will enter into those joys. But oh, friends, behold here also the goodness and severity of the Lord, because Moses was not allowed to enter in, and yet he's given the sight of, of, of uh, the promised land. And not everyone, we have to keep, re keep repeating this, but not everyone will enter heaven. Not everyone will possess that lovely place. I have a place there. If I have not repented of my sins, if I haven't yielded my life over to Christ in this world now, then I have no place. I have no sin. I have no home in heaven. That is not for me. The awful sentence, if I leave this world without Christ and faith in Him, the awful sentence, the awful words that comes to me is the same, thou shalt not go over hither, thou shalt not have a place in heaven. Oh friends, how, 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 how much we should make sure that we have that place and turn to Christ while we can. Look at verse 5. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab according to the word of the Lord. Oh, this is very tender. This is nice. <laughs> All the details of Moses' death, friends, are arranged by the Lord. The time, the place, the circumstances. It's a lonely death. There's no family around him. But the Lord is with him. We're not told how he died. Perhaps he just laid down and went to sleep and the Lord took him. Perhaps he maybe uh, uh, perhaps had a, a sudden heart attack and was taken home in that way. But it says, according to the word of the Lord. In the Hebrew, uh, that means he died at the mouth of the Lord. The Jewish rabbis, they, they interpret it in this way. as if Moses died by the kiss of the Lord. It's as if, uh, like a mother, who, uh, a mother who gently kisses the forehead of her child as she puts him to bed, or her to bed. She, uh, this gentle kiss, this is how they portray it, and it's not far off. With, with love and with gentleness, the Lord, as it were, calls home his servant. Strong intimations of his love are conveyed to him. According to the word of the Lord, 
also tells us that it was, uh, the time was all arranged by the Lord. The Lord is saying to Moses, Moses, your time is up in this world. Come home. Come home. God called and Moses went at God's bidding. Oh, friends, I don't want to sound morbid this morning, uh, but uh, the day of our death also is fixed. We all have that appointment to keep with God. God has arranged it. God has fixed it already. Are we ready to go in such a, a, a way as Moses went with such calmness and such preparedness uh, by uh, having faith in Christ? There was, there was a preacher uh, who <laughs> preached a, a, gos a gospel sermon on the first, uh, first uh, Sunday of a new year. And he was a very good uh, preacher, an old-time old, old preacher, a very holy, godly man, and his topic was from Jeremiah 28, verse 16. This year thou shalt die. That was his message. And it so happened that he died in that particular year. It was the day, the year of his death. But we never know, friends, when we are going to die. We cannot assume that we're going to live through 2025. We cannot, 2024 rather. We cannot assume that we're going to live through it. We may, the Lord may call one of us here home, or two of us, or more. We have to think about these things. Is it this year that the Lord may call me home? Well, Moses was ready to go. But who buried Moses? <laughs> because he was on his own. Verse 6 tells us, tells us, He buried him, the Lord buried him in a valley in the land of Moab, over against Beth Peor, but no man knoweth of his sepulchre unto this day. God buried Moses. God was his undertaker. God was the one uh, who, who gave him. It was a very private funeral. There were no human witnesses to it. But it was only a God did it. In fact, maybe you, I don't know if you've heard, but uh, there are these days pure cremation. And if you've heard, somebody was telling me about this last week, a pure cremation. And it's, uh, it's where people just want to have a cremation or a burial and have no witnesses, no ceremony to just be, to go off in that kind of a way. Just nothing there. I don't recommend it. It's not something that we would uh, advise people to do. But uh, in this kind of a way, Moses is gone. He's gone without any human witnesses, without any great fanfare. He's gone there, asylum, buried, out of sight. And with good reason, too, because it had to be secret. Otherwise, most likely the, the children of Israel would have turned his burial place into some kind of national shrine and would have gone out maybe to, to venerate it. You know, that's what happened with Christ. They think that with the Christ sepulchre they, in Jerusalem, and now you can see what's happening, how it's being venerated, and all, all sorts of things are done uh, to it, and people go there uh, every, uh, every year or every day even uh, to, to visit it. And that, the Lord didn't want that to happen with Moses' uh, sepulchre. So he is buried out of sight. The, the children of Israel, nobody knows where he is buried. Moses is gone. Moses is buried, but his teaching still lives on. His words are still in the minds of the people. 
has a lesson. The preacher, friends, let him not be seen. Let the preacher be hidden. Let the words that he says, which are the words of God, let that remain in your mind. Let that be what you go out with in, uh, when you leave the church. Scripture and the what God is uh, teaching you. Let the message remain uppermost in your mind. So well, before we move on, I just want to... You, I'm sure you're aware that in Jude chapter 9, Jude, uh, rather verse 9, it's only one chapter in Jude, in verse 9 we read of something unusual. There we read about Michael, the archangel, who was uh, disputing uh, with the body, uh, disputing with the devil over the body of Moses. <laughs> What's that all about? Where did that come from? It's the only reference in the Bible uh, to this dispute. Where did, what's it all about? Well, I'll give you two reasons, uh, drawing really from this particular chapter and also the New Testament. But for one reason could be that uh, just as God hid the body of Moses because he didn't want this, the people uh, finding it and venerating it and building a sepulcher for it, so the devil wanted to expose the body. He wanted to bring the body out into the open so that everyone, the children of Israel, knew where it was and so that they would be led, in a sense, to idolatry and to idolize that sepulcher where he was buried. And that's, some people say that's where the contention was between Michael, the arch, archangel, and the, the, the devil. Another reason could be uh, to do with, to do also with Moses' body was that the devil opposed it being resurrected, or perhaps the angel of the Lord took the body of Moses before it had decomposed, or perhaps later on was uh, resurrected it, and the devil was opposed to it uh, and uh, refused, said, no, Moses is a sinner. He should still remain in the, in, uh, in the grave. It's not right for him to be resurrected. Because, and the reason I, we say this is because you remember going all the way to the New Testament and the Mount of Transfiguration. There Moses appeared in his glorified body, in his physical body. He appeared with Elijah talking with the Lord Jesus Christ about uh, the Lord's uh, sufferings that he was going to go through. He appeared there in his body, not as a soulless person. So it seems that the body of Moses was either taken up to heaven or, or glorified, and the devil opposed that and said that shouldn't uh, happen. Well, I leave that uh, with you, but those are two plausible explanations. But verse 7, uh, we read Moses uh, there, uh, he was 120 years old uh, when he died. His eye was not dim, nor his natural force abated. Well, friends, we wish that was the case for us. We wish that would happen to us. We wish we could retain our strength till our very last days, but it probably won't happen. It probably won't happen to us. But uh, we can, well, what, we cannot control that, but we can, can control the spiritual side of it. We can keep our spiritual eyes from growing dim. We can keep the inner man. The outer man will perish. The outer man will, will grow weaker. Let the inner man be renewed. You can maintain that strength. You can maintain that spiritual vision. And it's incumbent upon us. We must endeavor to do that till the very end. 
till the very last day not to lose our vigor for the Lord. Even when we cannot do as much as we like, still that wish, that desire, that prayerfulness is still there with us. Well, I must move on very quickly because uh, verse 9, we come across the success. Well, verse 8, the children of Israel uh, spend 30 days weeping and mourning and then they move on. And uh, now we come uh, uh, to Joshua. The son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom. And this is Moses' successor. Uh, he's been uh, uh, set aside by the Lord, set aside in front of all the people of Israel by Moses laying his hands upon them and the people. And he, he's going to lead the people now. Now, friends, if you ever been to Westminster Abbey and uh, you, if you go there you'll find on the wall of the South, 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 South Choir Isle uh, there's a white marble memorial and on it are the two faces of John and Charles uh, Wesley and uh, there uh, below the, the, the two faces uh, which are sculpted on, 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 that, on that memorial just below it you'll see a, a picture of uh, John Wesley and he's standing on his father's tombstone and he's uh, preaching to a crowd uh, in, the, in the graveyard uh, there at Epworth, I think it's in the Epworth churchyard. And below those immortal words of, of John Wesley, I look upon all the world as my par parish. But below that, if you look at the very base, you'll see uh, Charles's words. And this is what Charles said, uh, God buries his workmen but carries on his work. God buries his workmen, but carries on his work. And that's what's happening here. God buries Moses, his servant. Is that it? Is the work coming to an end? Is that it? There's no more hope? No. There's a successor. Moses, Joshua uh, comes in. The work is going to go on. Moses is not indispensable. The preacher is not indispensable. You and I, we are not indispensable to the work. God's work will go on. God will accomplish His purpose. If somebody doesn't do the work here, God will raise up another person to accomplish what He has designed and what He has destined to happen. Joshua's there, ready at hand, ready to step in, prepared to take over. Oh, I wouldn't have envied him. What are big boots for him to fill? Who would want to step into the shoes uh, of, of Moses and, and lead the people? After all that he had done, what a great man Moses was. And Joshua, by the help of God, steps in uh, to, uh, to take over the work. Well, we close at verse 10 to 12. And it's a eulogy, we could say, to Moses, this great man. There arose not a prophet since in Israel, like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, in all the signs and the wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt to all his servants and to all his land, and in all that mighty hand and in all that gr the great terror which Moses showed in the sight of all Israel. Moses, a great man, an influential man, friends, a man of God, the lawgiver, the greatest prophet of the Old Testament, a miracle worker, a preacher of righteousness, a gospel preacher, as we saw not long ago, 
a man of great courage, a meekest man upon the face of the earth. Pride was absent from him. Pride was not seen in his life. A man with a great intellect, a man who had the, uh, one of the best educations a man could have. And yet he made personal sacrifices for Christ. He gave up the, the, the pleasures of Egypt, the treasures of Egypt, because he esteemed the reproach of Christ a greater, richer than all those treasures. He made that comparison and he said it's much better to follow Christ than to indulge in materialism and an easy life. A faithful man to the very end. He sowed and he sowed, but he never reaped. He never got the chance to, to take the people into the promised land. That was to be left for another. That's a lesson for us, isn't it? He was a, faith, a man of prayer, of intercession, a man who we read here lived in daily fellowship with God. Uh, God, the Lord, knew him face to face, a man mightily used of the Lord, a type of Christ. In all these characteristics, you can see the Lord Jesus Christ in a higher way. Oh, friends, what a, what a life this was that was lived. What a worthwhile life. What a useful life. What a, a life of instrumentality. It's a picture to us, a lesson to us. If our lives are yielded over to Christ, what can He do with you and me? What can He do if we are fully given over into uh, His hands? But I close with these words. Oh, friends, how to die well. How to die well. We all know this is the day of our death uh, will come, but how, unless the Lord uh, comes before that, how to die well if we're unbelievers? We've said it already. The best way to prepare for death is to turn to the Lord, is to have faith uh, in Him. How, if I'm a believer, how can I prepare to die well? Live well, friends. Live well. Live for Christ. Pursue holiness. Develop faithfulness. Develop those habits of serving. Serve the Lord in Sunday schools. Evangelism. Spend time every day with the Lord. Every day make a habit of that. Oh, friends, this is uh, what, the, this is how, that when the day, how to prepare well, when that day comes, we'll be able to say, Lord, I'm ready. Take me home. Well, friends, this is, we come to this uh, end of this series of messages on this, the favored book of Moses, of, of the Lord Jesus, rather. What a wonderful book it is. What a help for us, New Testament Christians. Don't consign it to the old. Don't put it away. Oh, look through it in your own time. There's so much, really, I haven't uh, touched on and said. I'll leave that uh, for you to do. Let's close by singing our final hymn, 598. There is an hour when I must part, 598.